0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. My name's Thomas, for those of you that don't know me, and it's great to have you with us, 2023. So this is the part of the service that we're going to open up the Bible together, and uh, we're going to be starting a new series, and we've given the game away. There we go. Jonah, the story of a runner. I want to start this morning, before uh, we read today's Bible passage, by sharing the story of a runner. And I don't know if my marathon, I'll get that in there. I have to get that in there as much as I can uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know if it's my marathon or it's the Lord, but we'll soon find out. But we're going to carry on. Anybody know of a man called Gary McKee or read of a man called Gary McKee these last few weeks? No? Well, over the Christmas holidays, I've seen a news report of this guy. He is a. Uh, oh wait a second, yes, he ran 300, I'll just get my numbers right here, he ran 365 marathons in 365 days. He ran a marathon every single day last year. That's incredible, isn't it? Why? (laughs) He did it for charity, you'd be glad to hear, and he raised over a million pounds for cancer and hospice support, and he managed to get through 20 different pairs of trainers. More amazingly, he ran his 365th marathon 40 minutes faster than me. (laughs) He's 16 years older than me too. I couldn't walk for a week after mine, and my feet are still recovering. Uh, Another thing is he would run his marathon before he went to work. So he'd do it before he went to work. He worked at a local nuclear site. He would get up before work and run his marathon. Imagine the strength, like physically, mentally, emotionally, Uh, on that journey every single day. But it made me think we're all a lot more like Gary than we think. We all have our races to run every single day. Each day as we wake, we are called to run the race marked out for us. We read of that in Hebrews 12. A unique race, an exciting race, a race full of purpose that isn't easy some of the time and requires perseverance, requires us to fix our eyes on Jesus. I wonder as we start 2023, a new year, how that looks for us, how that feels, how our race is being run just now. Where are, where are our eyes fixed? What are our hopes for the year ahead? I want to look at the story of a runner that comes from the book of Jonah and uh, it begins our new series. So for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack this small book which packs a, packs a punch. And as we start the new year. So it's important before we read the verses just to provide a little bit of context for uh, the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. So he was a person who speaks God's truth uh, or a messenger from God to others. And it was during the reign of a king called Jeroboam. And it was around the 8th century BC that this uh, was set. It's a unique book because uh, all the other prophets' books focus on, uh, don't focus on the actual prophet. Jonah is the only book from a prophet that focuses on the story of himself, as opposed to God's Word through a prophet. And we only have one other mention of Jonah in the Bible, apart from the book of Jonah, and uh, it's in 2 Kings 14, where he prophesied to Jeroboam during his reign as king. And there's an interesting observation in this moment, is this prophecy details how the king would win a battle and regain territory. But the prophet Amos also was uh, interacting with the king, and he reversed Jonah's prophecy, which is really interesting, saying the king would lose it all because he wasn't a good king. So, before we even read the book and look at today's verses, and having learned of this encounter moment in 2 Kings, we would be right to look at Jonah and just have an awareness of that, of what we'll unpack in the book of Jonah, and perhaps the character profile of this man. So if you know and love Jesus here today, you'll know that sometimes we experience suffering when doing God's will, when following his journey and his call on our life. The, the battles and oppositions will come. The kingdoms will collide as we step out, as we take a risk, as we make a stand. But Jonah shows us that sometimes we experience heartache when not doing God's will. And we'll read of that in this passage. And, you know, God's discipline is evidence of us being fathered, an expression of his love for us. We can read in chapter 12 of Hebrews a little bit more of that. And it's shown in this book also as we unpack it in the weeks ahead. And I think as I've been reading the book of Jonah and looking at it, I've seen a lot more of Jonah in me than I care to admit. It's a challenging look at how we respond to God. It's a challenging look at how we view others. It's a challenging look at God and His relentless, mercy-filled pursuit of His people. In spite of our rubbishness a lot of the time. So, I hope it's a blessing as we, do, as we read this together. So, Jonah chapter 1, and I'm going to ask Ross, why don't you be our Bible distributor? Let's give a cheer for Ross. Thank you, Ross. If you want a Bible, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care, and we'll get a Bible to you, and you can have it as a gift from us if you don't have a Bible at home. And it'll be up on the screen as well, hopefully. So, Jonah 1, and we're going to read uh, 1 to 16. Oh, wow. There we go. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of letters. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Emittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for, I always struggle to say this, Tarshish. Sound like Sean Connery, Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for that place to flee from the Lord. Let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm for us? Pick me up and throw me in the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then he took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Amen. Amen. So, the first thing I want to unpack from this very well-known, well known, well, the well known story of Jonah and the whale is that firstly, we see Jonah, we see that Jonah runs. We see that Jonah runs. We see that in verse three of the passage. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. <laughs> You're giggling at me saying that again. Back in early 2010, which is like 13 years ago now, something was brewing in my life. I was a financial advisor and I worked for Santander and I had the opportunity to become a bank manager, which was really exciting. I thought, yes, this is a career path for me. And uh, in the mix of that, I was helping volunteering with youth. Uh, So I was helping at the youth group with Mary, we were leading it and having amazing time, amazing time, just seeing God do great things, so full of life. You can never uh, come away from a youth group and not feel energized and encouraged. It was just so life-giving for us. And then the opportunity came, there was a conversation for me to become the youth pastor, so to leave my job in the bank and to become the youth pastor. And I remember I was in Dundee at the time working in the branch at the bank there when I got the phone call, and I was like, oh wow, okay. So uh, I would have to leave this job and become the youth pastor only for a year and see what happens and see what God does. And I remember initially putting every available obstacle in the way of making this happen. Uh, I thought I could teach. I've got a business studies degree, so I could do my PGDE qualification and then teach part-time and then do the youth pastor stuff the other time. I could become an independent financial advisor, set up my own firm, you know, advise people when I can. I have that flexibility as well as becoming a youth pastor. I could do maybe just one, a couple of days a week of the youth pastor and get another job. And You know, my heart could see something opening, but I was full of fear. I was full of fear around provision how 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 will i get by around my ability i don't have everything in here to to do that what they trust me with that around opinion of others what will people who don't do church think what do i explain to them what does it look like to work in a church what goodness me how am i going to how am i going to chat with folk who maybe aren't used to or don't know don't know god i i created walls but with the help of good friends and prayer, they were, were, were knocked down and it was a bit of a journey. And still the unknown lived and breathed in that season and always is the way as we step out. But God's voice was heard and nervously, we put one foot in front of the other. And looking back, there was a, a wee moment or two, I think, of running away from God's call on my life, which came from security. What the world says we need sorted? My story, what will people think? My skills, do I qualify? And often it can be these three. It can be around security, it can be around our story, and it can be around our skills. I found these to be three common themes when we do a Jonah, when we maybe run the opposite way. But Jonah does something else. He doesn't want God's story to invade for where he is called, the place he is called, Nineveh. We see it play out here a lot more extreme than my story and a lot more heart reluctance as there's some really deep-rooted beliefs and a reluctance to go where God is calling him to go and for God to call him to go and, mo- and to see him move in Nineveh in a place where it's not a great place, it's not full of great people. The Assyrians were a fearsome army who had a warrior nature to them, they destroyed they were cruel. They were ruthless. And for Jonah, they weren't a people that he wanted to see saved. God speaks. Jonah runs. We read that in verse 3. The opposite direction out of him not agreeing, of him thinking, I know best here, of him thinking the Ninevites aren't deserving of any message of mercy or hope or another way. They made their bed so they should lie in it, was Jonah's approach. His mind was made up. His stake was firmly planted in the ground. Instead of heading to Nineveh to follow God's instruction, which was a journey of around 700 miles or so, he headed for Tarshish, still struggling, (laughs) two and a half thousand miles away. And he arrived at Joppa en route. So, there was a extreme reluctance to walk in step. And you know, for us, it might not be that extreme. It might be. But I wonder if any of us can resonate with the Jonah story this morning. To be turning the opposite direction from where God is calling us. And knowing what God has put in us to be used for his glory, by our running away, there's deeply buried calls on our lives that are seeing little or no light. Perhaps it's in worship gifts around worship. Perhaps it's around writing. Perhaps it's in the business world. Perhaps it's in youth work. Perhaps it's in kids' work. Maybe some of our responses, when we know what those things are, uh, it's not the right time. I'm too busy. It's not me. They're better people. I've got other focuses just now. I don't feel connected. Life is great just now. I don't want to disrupt it. Or life isn't so great just now. I need to get to a certain place in my life before I can pick that up again. Or I'm fearful if people really knew me, I wouldn't be asked to do that thing. Or what would my family think? Or I don't have any experience. Or I can't have those people come to church. This is my thing. Or my sister, she's beyond saving now. She can just go her own path. Or God can't send me there. I've seen what goes on in that place. But within all of those statements, perhaps for some of us this morning, there's a call from God at the beginning of this year to stop running away. To stop putting up the banners, barriers. To stop trying our best to go in the opposite direction. And perhaps God is saying, I'm pursuing you this morning. I'm not going anywhere. I want to get the story back on track to trust him in 2023. Perhaps the extremity of Jonah's running has made clear what we're to stop running away from. Perhaps there's a call to just saying sorry this morning to God. A returning, an invitation to run towards him and to let God be God. So we see Jonah run. Secondly, we see Jonah sleeps. We see he sleeps. So Jonah's not happy. He runs opposite direction. Then we read of a storm when he gets to Joppa. He jumps on a ship and a storm hits this ship that Jonah was in. We can read of that in verse 4 to 5. The storm was a result of Jonah's rebellion. Now, the Bible doesn't say that every storm is the result of sin but it does teach us that every sin will lead to difficulty and choppy waters it's not a path to be to be pursuing and some storms are because of the broken world that we live in but in this instance the god induced storm with jonah we find that he's asleep in it that he's asleep in it we read in verse 5 a uh, all of the sailors were afraid in the storm. They each cried out, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. A few years ago, we went across to Lewis and Harris for a summer holiday. And it was, the, the I think, the best summer holiday we've ever had. I'm going to declare that. I'm going to say that in a recording. It was the best summer holiday we ever had. We took the ferry across. It was beautiful. It was. We got like, amazing weather. It was like 20 degrees. We went over to Luskentire Beach. Has anybody been to Luskentire? Oh, my word. It's like heaven on earth, white sands. And there was a white horse. Do you remember? There was a white horse. There was no one else on the beach. And this white horse was just uh, trotting. Is that the right word? Trotting through the beach. It was beautiful. And we had Joshua and Stu. And they were small at the time. And it was amazing holiday, amazing holiday. We stayed at a place called Achmore. For people that uh, know that area. And the ferry over, we managed to cross relatively unscathed. It was it was it was a success. But coming back was rough. It was horrendous. It was a uh, it was blown a hoolie, that's what I would say. That's the term I would use. It was blown a hoolie, it was stormy. The boat was moving side to side, and I ended up saying hello to people I never knew just because I was kind of doing all this, and uh, I was struggling, I was struggling, I was feeling so sick, but the rest of the family were fine, and uh, that really annoyed me, (laughs) as I had my head down the table, trying to get to sleep, and just really struggling, and our two boys at the time were just running about, and you were like, you okay, love? And I'm like, no, I'm not, just really, really struggling, I could smell all the food as well from the restaurant, it was just awful, it was just awful, now why am I telling you that? And uh, within that, I'm just desperate to get back to dry land. God's attempts to get Jonah's attention. He attempts to get Jonah's attention, but he's sleeping. He's sleeping. When the sailors are fearing for their lives, he sleeps. When a storm is happening, when the boat is going side to side, it says it's threatening to break up. Imagine the force on the boat. Imagine the cries of the sailors. And we have Jonah at the bottom, not waking, asleep at the bottom of this boat. So he was meant to be in Nineveh and he's sleeping at sea, running away, burying his head in the sand, burying his head in his pillow. But you know what's significant about this? That as I've been reading it and looking at it and, and asking God what to share this morning, I just had a real, and I feel this is a word, he's just not feeling it. He's just not feeling it. He's literally not awake to the concerns because he's sleeping, but also he's not emotionally or spiritually in tune to the Father's concerns. And that stood out. He just doesn't feel. He doesn't feel. I think a really great start to 2023 would be to ask God for more of his heart. To pray to God, God, whatever breaks your heart, may it break mine. I think that's a really good start to the year. And I feel this is a word. I feel this is a word. Almost to have less sleeping and more weeping for what what God's crying over for our land, for our city. Less sleeping, more weeping. Jonah, in hearing this call, should have been weeping and feeling what God feels for Nineveh. All these people, they I thought they were I thought they were far gone. But God, you want to save them? And you want to use me? Gosh. This week Mary and I were crying at Dragon's Den. <laughs> You ever seen Dragons Den entrepreneurs? We love it. It's like our show, and we had a wee moment. We were just looking at each other, and it was the guy sharing his story, and we both had tears in our eyes, and we're like, "What's that all about?" But it's because we could feel, we could feel, we could see this boy's journey. We could see his heart. We could see. We could see God. I feel like God wants to soften our hearts again. I really believe that. I'm staggered that Jonah slept through a storm. I'm staggered that Jonah didn't hear the cries of the sailors. He slept through the invitation to speak hope into the people of Assyria. I wonder what's around us in our sleeping. For Jonah, it was sailors that thankfully came to new and cried out to the Lord at the end of this passage. But who's around us in our streets, in our work, in our houses, in our friends' groups, in our clubs, in our fitness classes, in our schools, where we're just in a bit of a dwam, where we're just sleeping through each moment? Look at the sailors and their desperate response. We just never know where the Lord has placed us and for what. Or maybe you're in a storm right now where maybe you've given up. Maybe you've accepted this is the way it's going to be. And the Lord is just whispering this morning, wake up. Maybe not whispering. Maybe it's a bit louder than a whisper. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up for the sake of the plans that I have for you. Wake up for the sake of the city. Wake up for the sake of your marriage. Wake up for the sake of your family. Wake up for the sake of your walk with me. Wake up. And then finally, we see God's mercy. We see God's mercy. I want to tell the story of the 30th U.S. president called Calvin Coolidge. And a few years after his death in 1933, in the early days, he we heard of this story, this story came to pass, that in the early days of his presidency, he awoke one morning in his hotel room to find a burglar. Imagine that, that would be absolutely terrifying. He was going through his pockets and uh, Coolidge spoke up, and he asked the burglar not to take the burglar. <laughs> he asked the burglar, burglar, put my teeth back in. He a- was asking the burglar not to take his watch chain because it contained an engraved chain he wanted to keep. He then spoke to the thief in quiet conversation and discovered that he was a student. And he never had any money to pay his hotel bill or to get a ticket back to campus. He never had any money at all. And Coolidge counted $32 out of his wallet, which he also persuaded the young man to give back via a loan. So he declared it to be a loan and advised the young man to leave the way he had come out to avoid the secret service. And the loan was paid back as well at the end. I love that story. I love that story. And all the possible outcomes for that student, breaking into the hotel room of a US president incredible mercy was at work by the us president and so it is with god god's mercy is bigger and unimaginable more than we can think we see the sailors response to the storm pagan sailors the wrong beliefs but the right actions they were trying to sail to shore to save jonah they knew uh, they knew his story they knew he was running away but they wanted to save him so they tried to sail It wasn't working. We see Jonah with a heart problem, the right beliefs, but the wrong actions. He thinks he's right. He thinks God is wrong, but God shows his mercy in the storm to save him in the storm, to save the sailors in the storm. As Jonah runs, so does God. As Jonah runs, so does God. God's mercy to get his attention. The sailors threw Jonah over and then they call on the Lord. We read of that in verse 16. And God shows his mercy by saving Jonah in the water, a large fish gobbling him him up. We read of that in the verses after. Are we okay with God being God over our lives? Are we running this morning the opposite direction? Are there calls and passions and gifts that God's put in our hearts that we're not bringing out, that we, we, yeah, that He's calling us this morning to, to action again. Are we sleeping this morning? Are we in a bit of a dwam? Is God saying, "Wake up for 2023"? Are we wrestling with God's mercy, with God's call? Are our hearts troubled? Story of our runner. Where are we headed in 2023? Where's the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit exposing in our hearts? And what are we going to do about it? What wonderful mercy God shows. God doesn't give up even when we think we know best. God doesn't give up in our reluctance. He still runs. Hold on to that truth this morning in our reluctance. It's a story of running, it's a story of sleeping. And it's a story of God's mercy. Why don't we stand? Let's stand together.